Today, we're talking about the end of the metaverse, beginning of the metaverse, contradictions that are inherent right now in the digital world of Web3. There's a lot of news uh, around that. This is Brett Leonard, and I'm here with my son, Shannon Leonard, for another episode of What the F is the Metaverse? We actually took a couple week pause uh, in doing the podcast because we were both busy with other things. I actually been working on surprise metaverse projects. So <laughs> oh, wow. I've been steeped in, in the metaverse, but uh, I won't talk about that. We'll get right into some of the news and discussion around it. Kind of dramatic news in the world of the metaverse. Yes. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is cutting back on funding. So Meta is preparing to cut back on projects in its metaverse-focused AR VR division due to financial limitations, Reuters has reported. And this is an update after Mark said that Meta will, quote, slow the pace of some of our investments due to lower than expected growth levels. And he even said that he doesn't expect the company's XR investments to flourish until the 2030s, which, so it's, I mean, this is a big change of tone when, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> compared to a year ago. Exactly. I mean, look, we've been through this before. Obviously, you know, there are hype cycles and there are backlash to those hype cycles. And we're experiencing that right now with this whole metaverse thing. Obviously, the hype of him coming out and saying the metaverse and 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 naming it that, even though it was a name from the night, you know, from 1992 and now uh, coming out and saying, well, we're pulling back because obviously he's had some retrenchment in his financial projections and his growth in the actual base platform of Facebook uh, has not uh, has not performed like uh, it has been. And so, you know, that's still the foundation, you know, financially and from a business standpoint of what he's building uh, the metaverse on and, and how he's doing the investment. So there's going to be these these sort of rubber band yo-yo moves that are going to be happening in this again and again and again. I think I think this is not going to be the first such cycle that we're going to see in this whole new trend of the metaverse and Web3, etc., yeah, and it's, it's interesting because there's actually some news that The Verge kind of reported on and, and broke the news about how Meta's upcoming VR and AR projects, which actually some of them sound pretty exciting. And one of them, you know, they're, they're going to come out with multiple projects. Some of them are AR glasses in the traditional kind of what you'd imagine from a science fiction movie, kind of like Google Glass, but like the next generation where you see things overlaid on your reality, but with kind of semi-sleek normal looking frames. And then they also yeah. have some mixed reality projects. But the biggest piece of news was this interesting um, armband or, or wristband that will actually read your mind um, <laughs> in a sense. And, and they're, they're trying and, and some of the demos, there's some insiders that have said this is the best demo they've ever had. And this is based off of their acquisition of CTLR labs which for some reason in my mind comes out as control <laughs> control labs <laughs> but, but no ctlr labs um but it, it's is they're essentially trying to disrupt the keyboard and mouse and apparently it's almost like having a phantom limb in virtual or augmented reality and apparently the demo blows people away what do you think of some of these some of these developments about because apparently, apparently they're going to have multiple ar glasses rolling out Every two years, start you know they're just going to be like 2024 is apparently going to be a big year for Meta with their with their and then also sooner Project Cambria, which is their mixed reality headset, which color with color pass through 
is going to come out. What Look, do you think I, about that? I, and especially if they're cutting back. Well, the bottom line is there's going to be a lot of these, as we suggest in the title of this podcast, a lot of, uh, you know, contradictions going on in this world of the, as the, as the metaverse develops. I mean, there's going to be these technological enablements that come along that are, are spurring greater interaction. There's technologies that I'm privy to that I can't actually even talk about that are about interfacing the human with within the metaverse, within a virtual environment in a much more seamless way. These technologies are happening. There is definitely still Lots of money, lots of resource, lots of time and effort going to all of these things. So you're going to have this constant growth of what's possible. And then, you know, people getting disenchanted with the expectations and then suddenly getting excited again, then disenchanted again. That hype cycle and backlash cycle is something we especially see in the tech sector. And I think we're going to see it a lot in the context of the metaverse because of the nature of the metaverse being aspirational, it being connected to... Uh, decentralization of finance and of, of value. All of these things are massive human, uh, you know, tenets of civilization that have been part of human history for a very long time that are being disrupted and upended by what this metaverse is supposedly about. And this is not going to be a simple, uh, you know, uh, birthing process. This is going to be something that yeah. has all of the strum and drang and screams and blood of of a real birthing of a new form of human interaction. And I think that's what's exciting about it. I, I, you know, as a, as a storyteller, as a creator, I think, you know, those aspects of it don't dissuade me. They make me more interested. And of course, there's one thing that we should always say there, you know, the bottom line, many of these things that encompass human interaction are hits driven businesses that, you know, we have to have hits in the metaverse in order for it to get, back into a, a excited hype cycle. Right. And in order for that to happen, some of these technological enablements had to be brought together and synergized in a very unique way. And, you know, another aspect that needs to be brought to this, which I think is one of the things that's missing is, and I've talked about it before on this podcast, is story, is overarching meta narrative, is, is the, the, the human engagement and emotional engagement with story character you know, and, and emotion writ large that I think can be brought to metaverse experience. And that's one of the things I'm working on without going into the details. That's one of the things I'm very focused on as a storyteller. And now I call myself a story worlder, you know, coming up with these tenets of what will be the human interaction in a story world. How do you bring linear story and yet have agency within it? These things are going to lead to what I believe will be the hits in the metaverse space. And then there'll be another hype cycle that comes off of that. So <laughs> it's yeah. just going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, up and down for a while, uh, especially in these more formative stages. But, you know, some of these technological enablements that are happening right now are happening incredibly fast and are happening in very exciting areas, like, you know, being able to read, galvanic skin response and being able to have interfacing with the human mind uh, at a much more, you know, uh, less friction level. And, you know, all of these things that allow this human machine interface to be something that can actually become really compelling. And also, as I've always said before, well actually be something that can be healing in the final analysis, something that can actually be positive in the final analysis. And that's something I think is going to drive 
what the hits are in the metaverse. It has to be a positive experience. It has to be aspirational. It has to be something that actually brings you joy and a feeling of well-being. And if we can bring that into these metaverse experiences, then we'll have greater hits. It's, it's, it's not yeah. dissimilar from the movie business. Obviously, there are genres in the movie business that you know, people say, well, you know, horror films. You know what? For people that love horror films, they bring them great joy. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, you know, there has to be entertainment. I mean, for me, they they scare me. Even though yeah. you were a director of of horror films, for me, I just <laughs> yes, I I just <laughs> well, directing a horror film is very different than watching one. It's a lot of fun to make a horror film because you're all laughing at it as you're basically making it. It's a funny process, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it. But you know, it, it, whatever the genre, we have to bring excitement. And I believe because the metaverse is a more intimate experience of the human machine interface, it has to be embedded and have a foundational element of well-being. Um, and, you know, one of the things needed on this planet more than anything right now in terms of how do we interact as humans is healing because we have a very, uh, you know, we have a, a mental illness epidemic going on that's that rivals the pandemic itself. And, you know, this, these are things that we really have to lean into as creators in the metaverse space. And I think that that's, that's actually an exciting and, and you know, compelling reason to get involved. Well, it's interesting to hear your perspective on this as someone who, you know, for those who are new to the podcast, you directed The Lawnmower Man, which was the first feature film to depict virtual reality way back in 1992. So you've seen these, these hype cycles of, of virtual reality and now, you know, augmented reality in the metaverse for, for so long. And I'm going to tease a few news stories that we can talk about, and then we're going to go through and, and get your reaction to some some of these topics. And of course, I'll jump in with my thoughts as well. Google just had a really interesting announcement. They announced their uh, new smartwatch, but they also teased forthcoming AR glasses, augmented reality glasses. So we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about the U.S. Department of Commerce opening a new public safety immersive test center. So we're going to talk about that on this podcast. Also, Snapchat is having an interesting take on on the metaverse focusing mostly on augmented reality just like just like Google but first I want I want to get your reaction to this dad so um, Tony Fidel who's the ex Apple engineer who worked on developing both the iPod and iPhone <laughs> and then went on to founding the company Nest he's an influential person in the technology world and he said F the metaverse in, in an interview. And Fidel thinks that, quote, the metaverse is wrong for several reasons, uh, including taking away from the climate crisis, which he said is worse than ever. And he's also wary of the metaverse being too impersonal. He told reporters uh, with reporting from the inside.com, I'm getting this, he told reporters that in the virtual world, the meta world, whatever you want to call it, I can't look into your eyes. I can't see your face to build trust and a real personal connection. And this, of course, his comments follow on the heels of Snap CEO Evan Spiegel calling the metaverse ambiguous and hypothetical. So, yeah, what's your take on this? This, you know, He says, F the metaverse. I, well, look, I think these are the right questions to be asking. I, you know, again, to set my historic tone here, I was a teller of cautionary tales about all these things way early. <laughs> so that, that posture is not new to me. Uh, and I think there's total validity in many of those statements. Um, I think that we need to think about this very deeply. I don't think it's going to go away. 
I think it's a tsunami. I think there's going to be continued development of it. I think people are going to become more and more engaged in it. And just like anything that comes into culture, there are those that have that knee-jerk reaction that we need to stop this. This this is innovation. This is this is something that should not be taken forward. And of course, in human history, it never has stopped almost anything. Now, I'm not saying that some things shouldn't have been stopped. Um, perhaps the creation of the atomic bomb should have been stopped. But then other things that came out of that wouldn't have happened. Uh, you know, so it's very difficult, like nuclear medicine. And, you know, it's like there's there's very it's very difficult to see how certain innovations will actually affect uh, things both positively and negatively. But, you know, to focus on the negative component, I think, is very important up front so that we do take a cautionary posture to it and we actually think it through in a deeper and deeper way of how do you create more positive human engagement. That's why I say the metaverse should be about wellness. It should be about healing. It should be about emotional engagement of story and emotional engagement in the intimacy of true human interaction. He's right. You know, said, you know, you can't, you know, you can't look into someone's eyes. We need to make it so that that kind of connection does happen in the metaverse. And whenever these kinds of provocations are put out there, technological enablements come along that can, by being synergized together in unique ways, create that next level of experience. I don't think that the connection between human and machine is going to stop. It's a natural progression of the evolution of the human species. And there are people that will disagree with that, and that's a very much a big debate. But there's nothing unnatural about it. It's coming from us. So, you know, as we've talked about, you know, artificial intelligence, it's not artificial. It's augmented intelligence. We have to put ourselves in a positive posture towards pushing these things in a positive direction because they are going to happen. Someone coming out and saying F the metaverse is not going to stop it from happening. And so it's easy yeah. to take a negative posture and it gets you headlines and it makes a splash. And, you know, it's just like negative criticism of anything, of art, of anything is the more easy way to go. Well, what are the solutions to that is, is my question. How do we focus on this and how do we tell a story around it that leans into a more utopian ideal less than a um, dystopian ideal. And that is a, you know, this is a very challenging thing. And that's why, you know, being a storyteller or story worlder in this space is it, it, it brings a lot of responsibility and you have to think about these things. You have to think about these negatives, uh, you know, going in because there are tremendously negative things that can happen through the development of, met of the metaverse, you know? And I, again, I made a couple movies about some, very small components of that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that is at the center of my inquiry all the time. And I'm glad that voices get out there. Uh, but I also think it's also easy to be a naysayer. Yeah. And I, I mean, as someone who uses virtual reality technology and, and really looks at the news coming out about it, I think Tony Fidel's comment about you can't look into people's eyes, that actually might not be true because with eye tracking software, um, you might not be looking into their actual eyes, but you'll be looking into a very, very close, almost lifelike approximation of someone's eyes. And of course, that doesn't replace the real thing. No, it's not, it's not meant to replace it. But when you're, let's say, working with uh, an engineer or a collaborator, an artistic collaborator who lives in Australia, and you live 
in New York, you could actually have that connection and the technology is being evolved. I mean, even the technology Meta is working on will have eye tracking software for for avatars, at least it's rumored to to develop to that that place. Again, he's a very influential person, Tony Fidel. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, look, I, again, I'm glad there are naysayers. I also think it's the easier thing to do. I, I think because I think this is going to happen. This is a there's a force of nature of human nature of development and advancement and evolution that gets behind these things and doesn't stop. You know, if, again, we've used the internal combustion engine as an example of that. Atomic energy is an example of that there's all kinds of examples in you know in human history that show these are unstoppable forces they can have hiccups they can have ups and downs they can have pauses but ultimately they're moving forward and you know years ago at MIT there was a lot of focus on touch tech uh, when Nicholas Negroponte was a, a part of the MIT media lab and uh, I was oh, wow. involved uh, in in some of those discussions and in that in that era. It was in the lawnmower man era. You know, th- there are things out there that are going to happen technologically that we have a horizon factor on right now that that are hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine that we would have an as intimate experience virtually with a, another human being as we would in real life. But I think eventually that will happen, just as. You know, in prehist, uh, in in you know, long ago in history, they couldn't have imagined that someone could get on a device and speak to another person across, you know, somewhere across the uh, the other end of the world, and have an emotional engagement with them through this device called a telephone. That was yeah. out of the realm of, of of human thinking. The idea that we could get into a metal bird and travel across the entire planet within a day. That was completely beyond the horizon factor of human thinking. The same kinds of things apply to what's happening now with the metaverse. There's only one major difference that's happening in this era, and that's the acceleration of technology and the acceleration of this development is much faster than ever before. That's why we need to accelerate the development of the positive, more utopian uses for this, because if we don't, we're in big trouble. Yeah, or yeah, I mean, I, I agree, but also it's like it's almost an it's education, it's educational materials to help people to handle it because it's you know I feel like yes. every iteration of this is going to happen, but it's like how are we able to cope with it? How are we able to handle it? Look at how technology companies had to introduce health checks for how much time you spend on digital devices. Yes, and 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 a lot of them are are great progress, but still they're they're limited, and I think we even need more in depth things for for immersive technology you know this kind of leads us into the way the industry is reacting to this um and you know again evan evan spiegel the ceo of, of snapchat or the, the company they just they changed their name to snap because they're a camera company now um or have been for the past <laughs> they're not they're not just an app they're a camera company which by right. the way they just launched a drone it's a tiny little drone that launches out of your hand and it has a camera on it the Snapchat drone, or they just, they call it Pixie. It's called the Pixie, nice, which is interesting. <laughs> so, um, you know, how that ties into their augmented reality vision was kind of demonstrated. They had a big uh, announcement where they, they showed a lot of their advancements in augmented reality. But it's, it's clear that a lot of these companies are looking at what Mark Zuckerberg did, and they're like, okay, your little metaverse buzzword is, is funny. But what we're actually focused on is augmented reality. And that's what Snapchat's focused on. And they, and they go immediately to 
these use cases that you can't really argue with, such as live transcription. And that actually is exactly what Google demoed at their I.O. presentation. They used Google Translate to break down the language barriers, was their quote, in real time. They actually showed a really moving little video presentation of an English-speaking woman shown in conversation with her Mandarin-speaking mother. Wow. Um, and wow. the and the Google Translate was translating it in real time. And, and the, the moment that really got me is when the mother or, or the daughter said, I love you. And it was translated in real time. And it, it was moving. I, mean, I got emotional just watching it. And that's an example of augmented reality. A lot of companies are focusing on like, and, and, Snap, and Snapchat's or Snap's presentation, they demoed ASL being transcribed in real time using augmented reality. These demos, do you think this is like they're, are they kind of saying, haha, Mark, your funny metaverse thing is, you know, we're actually focusing on real world problems? Or do you think they're eventually going to get to fully immersive experiences as well? What's your take on that? Yes, I do. I think I think AR, VR, MR, all the R's and all of immersion is on a continuum that's connected together. Uh, you know, they're actually not really separate areas. They're all what I call virtual experience, VX. Um, and because that's why I like to use that term, because it encompasses, because they're all virtual to a certain degree. And, you know, one of the things you're pointing to here is that there are all these different enablements happening that are all part of the reason why we're asking this question, what the F is the metaverse in this podcast, because we don't know yet. It's going to be a combination of all these different things coming together in unique forms that we haven't yet seen. I believe the metaverse represents all aspects of those things, encompassing AR, encompassing VR, encompassing full immersion. And, you know, what was interesting about your story about the translation, it was a story. And what was at the end, what was at the core of that story? Love. The fact that love yeah. was involved. When I talk about healing, wellness, really what I'm talking about is at the core of all human desire, all human need, uh, the core of the human soul is really the, the need for love, both of ourselves and of the other and of our planet and of what we're doing here. And that story is the story that has to be created in order for there to be true uptake on all of this over time. And I, I believe that those kinds of moments that you're talking about that show how technology can be part of the human story of love. And that is something that I think is a positive techno mythology, uh, as opposed to the dystopian aspects, which are, you know, much more prevalent in many ways. And so, yeah. you know, th these things I, I think are all part of this question of what is the metaverse and what is it becoming? Is it the end? Is it the beginning? As we're asking in the title of this particular episode, these are the right questions to be asking. And we constantly need to pivot towards what brings us to greater understanding of ourselves, of others, and of the planet. And that at the core is essentially a love of existence. And, you know, that that's the opposite of the, the impetus for war which was the kind of hatred of existence, hatred of existence of the other, even of oneself. And so these are deeper philosophical questions, obviously. I don't mean to be too profound here, but you know they do show up at the core of this question of what the F is the metaverse. If we're not asking those questions, if we're not bringing those, that into the, into the consideration, 
into the, you know, the metaphysical and spiritual considerations of what the metaverse is, we're going to miss the center of what it's about. And so I'm very high, you know, uh, excited to hear that there are technologies like the translation technology that are showing that human intimacy can be enhanced, that we can get past the Tower of Babel of language. Um, you know, I think that some aspects of immersion of the visual language of immersion are, and the experiential language are post-linguistic, as someone like uh, Marshall McClellan wrote about way back in 1964 in his in his book, Media Extensions of Man, he was referencing the idea that we would move into a post-linguistic experiential language in our culture through media. Uh, and, you know, I, he didn't even know what VR was. He didn't talk, call it that, but he was referencing what virtual experience would be and, and really what the metaverse would be. So, you know, there's there's a lot of human thought and and scholarship and and consideration that's gone on around these things. We need to keep bringing in all of these questions, all these multidisciplines, and allow the technology and, uh, you know, advancement to be informed by that discussion. Yeah, I mean, and, and Google, it, they, they didn't even announce anything that we can use yet. They're, they're doing exactly what you said. They're just in the storytelling phase right now. Yes, yes. And they're painting this picture. And they, you know, this is demo technology that they're demoing. But I have to give credit to Snap for, you know, their ASL filters and essentially they're able to translate sign language in real time which is pretty amazing and, and that's fantastic yeah and they have really great demo and video on that but that's not even that's not even a demo you know they're rolling that out to their hundreds of millions of users across the world and snapchat is actually ahead of a lot of a lot of other companies in terms of augmented reality and they're just I agree. rolling I agree. out more toolkits and, you know, kind of they're, they're kind of a quiet in the space. You know, they're just quietly gaining more and more user base. Mm -hmm. um, but their their growth is actually pretty impressive. Um, well, they've and, always been very yeah. innovative. I mean, I remember when you stood in line to get to the kiosk to buy the first, uh, what they call yep. spectacles, yes. um, the snap specs. I, I have always seen them being at the forefront of a lot of these innovations, even if it doesn't become a mass market uh, adoption, they're, they're pushing it and always pushing it. And they have their platform at the center of it that obviously allows them to do that. I think it's great they have that ethos. Yeah. And they're, and you know, they're, they're, their original spectacles are just cameras on glasses, which now Meta has kind of copied with their Ray-Ban stories, which yes. are just like yes. the original spectacles. But Snapchat has pivoted their spectacles product into an AR product, which you can't really buy it's it's only really rolled out for developers, but they're already seeding this developer community around Snap's augmented reality glasses that is an evolution of their Spectacles line. So it's interesting to see that they're, you know, they don't even have a, a product you can buy yet that's in AR glasses, but they already have the developers working on it and and creating experiences and, and showing that off. So yeah. it was pretty interesting in, in contrast with, with Meta, you know, kind of <laughs> reducing their funding. But I saw that Meta actually posted a, a video of Project Cambria. They, they had teased Project Cambria for almost a year now. I think in response to this news that they're ramping down their investment, they had, they, they, it seemed almost like a desperate attempt to be like, look, we're still, we're still doing this. And they, they showed a demo of it where it's, it's color pass through 
technology, which means it's, it's mixed reality. So it's a full headset that covers your face, be able to integrate with the world. And they have some developer toolkits out for that as well. It's very interesting. Um, and I, yeah. you know, it's funny. I, I was watching, and this is kind of to your point about, you know, how are we going to use this? I've been watching this series um, that called Primal Survivor with Hazen Odell, and it's on Disney+. Plus. He's a more down-to-earth version of those man versus wild types. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I heard up on a podcast, he, coming back to, to his home in Washington, the contrast of him going into a grocery store and seeing all these bright colors and yeah. just yeah. this blur of colors and how infused in the marketing of this indiv- individual, you have to, you know, this individualization as opposed to the tribal rituals. And this is something, Dad, that you've talked about, that we have to integrate tribal practices into yes. the metaverse. Yeah, I, I think that in my sort of exploration of what is interactivity in a virtual environment in a metaverse, I've discovered that tribal ritual structures are more apropos to the experiential nature of virtual experience and the metaverse experience than more traditional, more modern things. And and often tell the story of having been in Australia and experiencing this ritual they have, the the Aboriginal people there have called corroboree. I realized I was in the middle of a multimedia experience without any, you know, without any technology that was very compelling and it was growing, you know, was leading the group mind in a ritual. And so I think looking at ancient ritual structures at indigenous wisdom uh, and encompassing indigenous healing modalities, all of these sort of ancient future concepts need to be brought into the metaverse for it to have true potency. And especially in virtual experience and immersive experience, um, working in, you know, the idea of, of, creating immersive experience around healing with this idea of MIM, medicinal immersive experience, not a SIM, a MIM. And I'm working with my partner, Dr. Skip Rizzo, uh, in that area, who's a, you know, premier VR clinician for, for decades. And so it's a very interesting area to explore, but it constantly leads me back to what you're talking about. This idea of tribal ritual, that we need to go back to some of the four foundational aspects of human interaction as we bring in more and more advanced technology to enable it. It's this ancient right. future dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I bring it up on the theme of the end of the metaverse, just because watching this show about just being able to survive in the wild, it made me kind of question a lot of the my use of technology and, you know, how often I, you know, I use the MetaQuest 2 headset and, you know, I'm going in and going to these virtual experiences and kind of to Tony Fidel's point about, you know, we have this climate crisis happening in the real world. And it, what this technology has the potential to do is separate us from the physical world. And, and honestly, just, just I've had to change my habits around my phone, you know, like just the amount of tweets that I was reading. Like I used to read every single tweet and it would bookmark my place in the timeline. So I was reading like 500 tweets a day. Wow. And at a certain point, I just realized like this was, this was having an effect on my mental health and completely stopped that. And I, you know, and after that shift away, you know, my mental health is, I I saw like a a huge impact on my well being, just feeling better overall. And, you know, and, and how I use te- these you know, t- tools and technology. And, and then with 
virtual reality, you can go even more. I mean, right now, the, the Quest 2 is pretty low fidelity. It's a great product, yep. but it's still pretty low fidelity. You can't use it for more than an hour or maybe you know two hours max before you start feeling like, okay, I time to put this as cool as it is, you know, time to take it off, take a break. But that's going to change. You know, a lot of other companies jumping in to this space, there's going to be some really compelling virtual reality platforms. But and and but my my conclusion isn't that this is only bad. It it just I just think it's just extra important for us to be really thoughtful. All the things that you've been talking about on this pod and we've been talking about on this podcast, yeah, is really important for us to to explore how we're actually using it. And in a way, I think the metaverse or virtual reality or augmented reality could actually be a way to get us more aware about the world. That's exactly what I think. Because you could could see the Amazon, you could transport yourself to the Amazon, you could transport yourself to coral reefs. You could see climate data represented in a really compelling form that brought to you the real effects of climate change and how it's going to affect human populations in a much more compelling way and a quicker way that can connect the group mind around that realization more so than watching documentaries about it, which is a kind of lean back experience that can only, you know, get out to so many people. Yeah. I, I think it's important for us to mandate that metaverse experience, virtual experience be connected to real life forms and consequences because that should be part of the ethical structure. That should be part of the ritual. When I, we talk about ritual, in ritual structure, there are things that must be addressed that the shaman brings into the tribe to be addressed in that ritual that affects the entire tribe. He's looking at, or she is looking at the overarching you know, issues of the tribe and bringing those things to bear in the discussion, in the, in the ritual interaction between the individuals, and so they're able to experience it in almost an abstracted form. That's what the liminal space, the abstracted form of virtual experience could allow if we mandate that we bring it to bear to things that we must have a focus on as a group human experience, because these things are changing the nature of our planet, changing the nature of human survival. And they need to be mandated as part of the ethical framework around what the use cases of the metaverse must be about. It can't just be about entertainment or just tokenomics and NFTs and all of these things that do have their positives and negatives associated with them. There has to be a larger intention set that's being brought. And I think that that's part of the storytelling around this. We have to tell stories of that larger intention set that these tools can actually bring us greater understanding and greater efficacy in dealing with some of the intractable problems we're, we're facing as humankind. Yeah. You know, look, it's going to be hard. It's, I mean, we're, (laughs) we're like just about 10 years into the social media world and we've gone from everyone just sort of connecting with friends and family to it blowing up to being now you can have your 15 minutes of fame and you're posting on Instagram, not just for your friends, but for everyone. And now we're going to see that evolution in, in virtual reality and the metaverse. And as optimistic as I see it, I think it's going to be very messy oh, and it it's going to be hard. But, but one of the, the tools that could do some of the things you're saying is Web3 technology, so to speak, blockchain yes 
technology, even though current blockchain technology hurts the environment in many ways. I there know. Are That's projects a big that issue that we've got that. to address. That's a big issue that has to be addressed or it's yeah. going to be unsustainable. Yeah. Um, you know, the, and these are the ethical things that need to be part of the framework of the overall development and construction of the metaverse. It, there almost needs to be a, you know, a kind of agreement around this that is brought to bear by, I think, the creators, the storytellers, the the people that are truly involved in this from the from the beginning on, uh, in order to create that responsibility, that ethical framework, and that should be embedded in the in the creation story, the origin story of the metaverse, which we are in the middle of right now. We're at the beginning. We're in the middle of the beginning, so to speak, of that creation story, that origin story. And we need to bring these ethical concerns and these true humanistic survival concerns into this discussion, not just at as a side peripheral thing, but as a central tenet of why we're doing this to begin with. Once we figure out the sustainable aspect of, of Web3 technology and blockchain technology, it could actually implement some of the things you're talking about. I mean, you said yes. mandating these things, which which I think that scares a lot of people because in, in the, in the yeah. current world, mandates are you know associated with a lot of the pandemic situations and I these know. kind of. But this is you know, but in the same sense, it's health and safety, and this in and it's almost along the lines of what you're talking about, right? I mean that there you have to keep the health and safety of the digital world and mandate. But but it, would that it just I mean, and in the metaverse, things are going to be open, so there's going to be so many different worlds. If you want to go to a world that is completely free of restrictions, you'll probably have access to do that. Yes. But in my mind, you would have you. Would, it's a kind of an opt-in mandate. So you, you wouldn't have like it, you you could opt into a world where certain things are mandated, sort of like Absolutely. a tribe. Yeah. No. I mean, the when I say mandate, I mean a kind of intention at the core of the community that will be involved in the metaverse writ large. Uh, and I think that there's some. Right. positive indications that that community is very focused on things like how can we solve the intractable problems of things like climate change, uh, you know, the continued use of fossil fuels, all of these things that are going to whack us in the head in a harder and harder way every passing year, every passing month now, if we don't deal with it. So, you know, yes, mandates is a scary concept and total freedom is what everyone wants. Guess what? That's not necessarily leading us to the discussion. It has to be an ongoing discussion that also creates action to help solve some of these problems. And again, I, I know I'm being a cockeyed optimist. I'm, I, I can be just as much a realist, not really a pessimist, but a realist and have some cynicism about all of these subject matters we're talking about. But I don't think that that's the story we need to tell right now. I think it's important to pivot into the utopian story, to the utopian use cases, because that is becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, just like dystopian stories have become somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's part of our creating our own reality as human beings. You know, the group mind and the, you know, the combined effort of all of the humans on the planet, which is now billions and billions of people, is a big force. And if we can use metaverse interaction in all of its forms to somehow corral some of that into, again, stimulating the genius of the group mind and focusing it in these areas of, of positive engagement, 
that's something worth working on. That's that's you know, I, I, will it solve all the problems? Of course not. Will there not? Will there be? Won't be ne- the negative uses of the metaverse and negative effects? Of course there will be. This is a planet of contrasts, of contradictions, like it's in their title today. And those contradictions don't mean we stop trying. We have to keep trying to develop this in a positive direction toward wellness, healing, and yes, finally, love. You know, create maybe decentralized, autonomous organizations around around these kind of things, and all, yeah. all those type of you know which which right now are kind of buzzwords but in the future like we've talked about you won't need to know all these details you won't need to know what web3 is you won't need to know what blockchain technology is these are just going to be enabling tools and protocols to to power the future of this and right now we're in this just in this phase of you know the hype cycle which has gone up and it's gone down um, know. And you know, one thing I've seen too is people confuse Web three with the metaverse. Some people yeah. think that yeah. you know, Web three equals anything metaverse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Web three is just sort of the the technology that's under you know the, the blockchain based technology and decentralized technology that's and, and, and powering fintech for- technology and all of that. That is right, a, but yeah. but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's and that's what I think people are aggravated with the, all these buzzwords. It's like. Eventually, just the use cases will be what what trans, transcends, and just like you say, the enabling of you know telling these stories leads us to an interesting final piece of news here uh, that the U.S. Department of Commerce. So talk about you know finding positive use cases for metaverse technology. Um, the U.S. Department of Commerce has set up a new public safety immersive test center wow. <laughs> in Boulder, Colorado. And the research facility will use the latest XR technologies to simulate real-life scenarios that could affect public safety. But but this is this is actually talking about you know trying to help first responders. So it's an HQ equipped with motion capture and optical tracking cameras and VR headsets, and they're going to simulate emergency events. And the technology will provide more realistic, tactile, and immersive experiences to first responders training to save lives as reported by inside.com. And so this is interesting. I mean, this, this, is, this is the U.S. Department of Commerce using metaverse technology to help train first responders. Yeah, no, I, look, I think that's a, a perfect example of how virtual experience can be used. Look, virtual experience used in training scenarios has been very successful. Uh, across yeah. many, many different verticals and industries. So, you know, the fact that the, you know, public safety department is, is getting into that. It makes perfect sense. And, you know, it's, it, it pivots into something else that we're going to be dealing with on our next episode, which is we're going to be bringing in my brother, Greg Leonard, because he's involved with uh, a company that he is a co-founder on with his wife and partner, Astrid Reed, uh, called Ava, which is about inclusivity technology and platforms within the context of virtual experience, the metaverse, et cetera. And it's a big area of, of needed concern uh, that most people forget about. The fact that, you know, we have 25% of people out there that are disabled in some way that need inclusion and accessibility to what metaverse technology will be all about. You know, his company uh, and his passion is focused on that. Apart from the fact he's an amazing musician who has created our theme music, <laughs> so uh, we're going to be uh, bringing him in on that discussion uh, next time. But uh, I think this is an example of how 
positive use cases can really start to create a consensus. This is what we need to do. We need to create a story around consensus for positive use of the metaverse, for positive involvement of human interaction through the metaverse. And again, some of that may sound naive, it may sound simplistic, and yet if we don't focus there, the opposite will happen in an unbalanced way. So I'm just saying we have to focus on these more utopian use cases and ideals. And I think that eventually a greater consensus, which can be embedded in smart contracts on the blockchain that bring the, the ethical framework into play without it being something that's forced into you know, the human reality from a hierarchical standpoint. That hasn't worked. It doesn't work when hierarchies force people, people react against that. So we have to create it through consensus through a, a bottom-up approach as opposed to a top-down. And in many ways, the decentralization inherent in Web3 and in the metaverse ideas are very much about that, the disintermediation of charismatic and top-down hierarchical leadership. These are all amazing story points in this origin story of the metaverse that we're in, which, of course, our title leans into. Is it the end or the beginning? <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, right. That's we're in the middle of the wave, the high exactly. wave. Exactly right. Goes up and down. Until next time, Shannon. I love you, son. I love you too, Dad. And please rate this podcast. However you rate podcasts, it, it really helps the show. And special thanks to Greg Leonard for the original theme music for "What the F Is the Metaverse." <laughs> <laughs>